Welcome to the Kate Languages podcast. I'm your host, Kate Clifton. I'm a former MFL teacher who left the classroom in 2017 to set off on my own adventure. Since then, I've developed my passion for helping teachers through creating time-saving teaching resources, delivering language lessons and CPD to languages teachers, and of course, through this podcast. I've had some wonderful feedback from teachers about how my work is helping them with their everyday teaching, and I love connecting with teachers from all over the world. To get in touch, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at Kate Languages on both, or you can email me through my website, katelanguages.co.uk. But for now, grab a cuppa, although maybe not if you're listening in the car. Sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Kate Languages podcast. How are you? This is season six, season six of the Kate Languages podcast. Who would have thought it, eh? Happy New Year. Hope you've had a brilliant Christmas and New Year and a fantastic break and you're feeling revived and ready to go (laughs) in the new year. If not, because it's the middle of winter and it's dark and miserable and yeah, just keep going, keep going. I always think... After the 21st of December, every day gets a little bit lighter for the next six months. <laughs> I, always, I always try and like make myself feel positive with that. But anyway, yeah, I hope you've had a really, really good Christmas and New Year at least. And uh, that the new term is being kind to you. So, gosh, season six. This first episode of season six is a Q&A episode, as always. And I've had some absolutely fantastic questions that I'm really excited to dive into and answer for you. But first of all, as always, just a bit of a catch up. What's been going on here at KLHQ, as I keep (laughs) putting in my... um, email, newsletters, no idea how that's going down, Kate Languages HQ, which is basically my house. But yeah, so I have been doing some more in-person CPD and training and stuff like that and absolutely loving it. And I've got more in the diary for this year. My calendar is filling up a little bit. So if you do want to book me to come to your school, I seem to say yes to people who live within about a two hour radius of where I live, which consider I live in Peterborough. So actually two hours can get you quite far from Peterborough. It's one of the best things about Peterborough, <laughs> how easy it is to get away. So yeah, so if you would like me to pop into your school and deliver some training, do get in touch. The easiest way of doing that is emailing me kate@katelanguages.co.uk or get in touch on social media. I'm at Kate Languages on Instagram and Facebook. And yeah, we'll set something up. So the past term, I've done things on the new GCSE, phonics, getting students talking. So talking about about things like um, pronunciation practice and phonics and things like that, checking for understanding, all sorts. And of course, we had our free show and tell workshop at the beginning of December, which was absolutely brilliant. And you can you can have a little look at that if you missed it, if you want to watch it again, if you were there and you loved it so much, you want to watch it again. And that's on my website. So just go to katelanguages.co.uk and search for starters. That's the easiest way of finding that. 
So yeah, lots and lots of CPD. I've also been writing some more teaching resources for the new GCSE. These do seem to take a bit longer than, <laughs> than I keep thinking. I keep thinking like, oh, I'll just knock one out a week. They do seem to be taking a bit longer. It's a prescribed vocab list. It's surprisingly difficult. Things like dictations, writing simple four, five, six word sentences, surprisingly difficult when you only have the constraints of the prescribed vocab list. So I'm gradually working away at those. One of the biggest changes that I am currently working on, and I'm afraid I don't have a date at the moment for when this is all going to go live, is I've actually decided to change my website into more of a membership site. So last year, around kind of Easter 2023, I set up something on my website called Buy Everything. And if you've listened to the podcast before, you've heard me talk about this. So Buy Everything is where you literally pay a one-off fee and you have access to all of my resources, all of the CPD, now and forever. And then we have a Zoom call once every half term. And what I've actually decided is to move my whole website and my whole offering to more of that kind of buy everything model. So at the moment, I have so many little resources for sale on my website that I think it's getting a little bit much and a bit confusing. So I'm basically offering the option to for a one-off payment for lifetime access to either like French, German or Spanish resources or CPD. So that's one level. Or you can pay a bit more and you get access to all three languages or one language and CPD. I'm still kind of working all this out. So if the final offer isn't exactly like this, I apologize. But yeah, so this is basically the idea. And then a bigger payment, which is for access to all three languages, plus all CPD, plus this Zoom call once every half term and things like that. And then there will be an option as well to add more email addresses because at the moment buy everything is just for one person. So I am working on that at the moment. It's obviously quite a lot of work <laughs> to completely overhaul my website, but I do think it will simplify things for people. So you make this one-off payment and then you can just log in and then you can just download anything, whatever it is you've paid for. And then if you need access to more things, it's going to be really easy for you to upgrade and things like that. If you want to just come along to one CPD session, they will still be available for you to purchase separately as well. But the resources as in, you know, one single lesson or one booklet or workbook are not going to be available to purchase separately on my website. So if you do want to buy any of those, get in there before I overhaul my website. Like I say, it's something I'm working on. I don't know exactly when it will be. I'm really sorry. I can't tell you that at the moment. But yeah, so that's probably one of the biggest changes around here for me. And like I say, doing lots of lots of CPD and teaching some absolutely wonderful teachers. And I've got new people who are working with me teaching Spanish classes. And I'm getting some people on board to teach some French classes as well. So yeah, it's all really exciting. Lots and lots and lots going on. And life is just very busy, very crazy. So yeah. But today is a Q&A session. I had some really, really cool questions on Instagram. So I'm going to start off with a couple of 
<laughs> slight, maybe slightly silly silly questions, uh, more just kind of like me and my life. And then um, I do have some more kind of, yeah, more slightly serious sort of related to teaching and learning. So the first question came from the guys who do the Teach, Sleep, Repeat podcast, which I shared a little while ago on my Instagram, and I, I feel like I kind of talk about <laughs> talk about them a bit. Um, they mentioned me on their podcast as well, which is really lovely. A little while ago, so yeah, we're trying. They've been having babies recently, so um, they're a bit busy. I'll forgive them for that, but we're trying to trying to get me on their podcast at some point. Don't know when that's going to be, but yeah. So anyway, they asked me if you could only eat one thing for breakfast, lunch and dinner for the rest of your life, what would it be? I love this question. I love these kind of questions. I think these reveal quite a lot about people. So my first reaction was like chocolate. Obviously, I would just eat chocolate all day, every day, which is kind of what I do anyway. And then I was like, yeah, but I mean, then my kind of sensible brain kicked in and I'm thinking, well, if I could actually only eat one thing and I only ate chocolate, I'd probably get scurvy or something, wouldn't I? So... And this is, this makes it sound awful. I really, really love making like a bolognese type sauce, but because I'm vegetarian, I don't use beef, obviously. Um, so I put lentils in it. So just like loads of different vegetables and tomato sauce and lentils. So I'm thinking I would have that. And if I'm allowed to have like, have it with pasta or have it with mashed potato, because it works really, really well as like a cottage pie type thing or something like that. That's what I would eat. But that's that's quite boring, but it's genuinely like one of my absolute favourite things to cook and eat. So there you go. That's my answer to that. The other slightly silly question, which is probably going to lose me an awful lot of followers and listeners. <clears throat> What's your favourite Guilty Pleasure TV programme? Oh, so I do love Selling Sunset. I'll say that really quietly. I love Selling Sunset. And then the spin-offs so selling the oc is like a spin-off of selling sunset and then there's quite a lot of these other like selling luxury homes there's a french one i feel like i should probably watch at least that would feel a little bit more like it's related to my work so that's my guilty pleasure quite embarrassing isn't it right okay some more slightly slightly serious questions. I did get some really, really good questions related to teaching and learning and MFL. And I'm going to talk about these in a bit more detail. Okay. So the first question came from Senorita Rainey Ola, who is Maya, who is absolutely lovely, lovely, lovely and brilliant. And if you don't follow her on Instagram, you really, really should because she posts loads of really good things. I think I've mentioned her before on the podcast. She's fab. Anyway, Why do you think kids are struggling more than ever with instructions? It's the worst. And then she went on to say they cannot follow a string of two or three basic instructions anymore, which is, I mean, oh gosh. I think my my immediate response to that is screens, isn't it? It's the kind of YouTube, TikTok, like everything they access these days is so short and just like they are so overstimulated and overwhelmed by these short sharp like you know there's music and movement and dancing and and all this kind of stuff and I do think it is really quite overwhelming for their brains and I think a lot of kids and particularly teenagers these are secondary school kids are just spending so much time on on their screens and on on their devices that 
that could be one of the reasons. I do. <laughs> so, I mean, Maya is still younger than me. However, I do wonder <laughs> whether as you get older, these things somehow feel a bit like, I don't know, <laughs> like when you're younger, you're kind of closer in age, obviously, and like experience and attitude and stuff like that to the kids. And as you get older, your capacity to put up with stuff, I think, massively decreases. So I think maybe things that you that didn't bother you when you were a bit younger maybe bother you a bit more now. I don't know. I don't I don't know if if that is a reason. And I'm sorry, Maya. Like I say, you are still younger than me. So but I know that my patience for that kind of stuff has like decreased massively. But yeah, I th- a lot of it's about training. And I'm, I, I didn't ask actually whether she tends to give instructions in English or in the target language. I'd be interested to know actually whether they're more likely to follow a, an instruction in the target language because they actually have to focus and listen and pay attention. And perhaps you explain them more simply in the target language than you do in English. I don't know. But yeah, I think... You're not going to stop kids from going on screens and devices and TikTok and all that kind of stuff. So I think my advice with that would be don't give them a string of two or three instructions. You'll literally give them one instruction and wait for them to kind of absorb and start following that instruction and then give them another instruction and then another one. I don't know. I'm just just thinking because I have a three-year-old who just... Like he he can follow plenty of instructions. Um, it, you, by the age of two or three, kids should be able to follow a string of at least three or four instructions. <laughs> um, but they just don't listen. And he does the same. And he's just like, I mean, I know he's three, so it's different to 13. But he just kind of gets distracted and absorbed by other stuff. And then I'm like, can you hear me? <laughs> and with him, I just kind of just stop. And I'm just like, right, I've asked you questions. So if I say to him, you know, do you want to have something to eat? And he just doesn't even respond. Or I said, do you want some water? And he just doesn't even respond. And I just think, fine, then you're not getting any. And then I just crack on and do whatever I need to do, which you can't do, I know, when you've got a class of 30 kids. And especially if they're not paying attention and then they're causing behavioural issues and stuff like that. So I, yeah, I do get that. But yeah, sometimes I just, I don't know, just like say what you need to say. The vast majority of them, hopefully will crack on with something, at least the first thing you've told them to do. And then it's just about circulating and checking and, you know, answering questions and stuff like that, isn't it? Oh, I do feel your pain. I really do. I am going to be doing a full podcast episode on checking for understanding. So I mentioned in the intro that I have done some CPD that included something about checking for understanding and there's some really good stuff in that. So I thought I would turn it into a podcast episode. So look out for that. It's going to be episode five of this season. So I would just like to send some solidarity (laughs) and you know, my only one solution is to just give them one instruction at a time and really clear and just try not to, I was going to say try not to care, that's awful, but try not to, I think the more you get stressed out about it, and the more you notice it, the worse it gets as well, doesn't it? So, okay, um, a question from James Dore. 
Why do you think modern languages, GCSEs and A-levels are becoming less popular? Oh, this is such a good question as well. And I could get super, super political on this. And do you know, people don't know this about me. I'm actually a very political person, but I try to keep my political views separate from my work because, frankly, I just get really really wound up and really annoyed about stuff. So I do try occasionally, I might share something or or people will uh, get an idea about my political views. But yeah, so the political answer to this is the B word. (laughs) I just whispered it. Brexit, isn't it? I mean, uh, so since 2016, I, I would imagine it would probably be very clear to see on a graph, you know, the decline in, in modern languages. I think part of the problem as well is that it's really, really hard to recruit people. So I was having a chat over Facebook Messenger with the head of department recently who has appointed a Spanish person and she was saying that getting the visa is a nightmare. And I was like, yeah, Brexit's just a gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? And it's just become so much harder to even recruit people. I'm wondering if there is almost a kind of a... I don't know, because I don't want to like go into conspiracy theories or anything, but whether there is a slightly ulterior motive, a background motive of like, well, we can't recruit people. Well, we could recruit people. We could make it a lot easier for people from European countries, for example, or South America or, you know, African countries where they speak French to come to the UK and work as languages teachers. I don't know whether within DFE, within the current government, although if you're listening to this in the future, maybe the former, the former Tory government. (laughs) Anyway, I said I won't get too political. But um, yeah, whether, whether there is an underlying thing of just trying to destroy languages, sometimes it feels that way. And I have talked a lot about the new GCSE and I do think there are some good things about it, but it is quite boring. And I sometimes I look at it and I think, are they just trying to squeeze all of the joy out of language learning? And then you get all these headlines about how Britain's so far behind because people can't speak foreign languages and blah, 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 and how much they need German. And then all the schools are phasing out German. I just, I don't understand. I don't know why, but I do think it's political. I think there is a bit of an attitude amongst people of like, well, we voted for Brexit. We're not in England. Uh, we're not in England. We're not in Europe anymore so we don't need to speak foreign in it. (laughs) I think there might be a bit of that kind of attitude as well. And also harsh marking and grading, and they are difficult. Um, I'm not saying other GCSEs and A-levels aren't difficult, but what I'm saying is that languages A-levels and and in particular and GCSEs are difficult, plus really harshly marked, plus you are competing with native speakers. And this is not something that happens in any other subject. You do not get a 15-year-old in your maths GCSE class with a PhD in maths, do you? I mean, that would be the only equivalent. So yeah, it's it's kind of a perfect storm. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what they're going to do in future. And in fact, I will move on to a question from, well, Danielle Lack 3 <laughs> from Instagram. Do you think languages should be compulsory? And I think these two things are actually quite closely related. Personally, I think throughout primary school and key stage three, yeah, 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 I definitely, I think languages need to be compulsory at certain stages in your education. 
whether they are compulsory for GCSE or not, I think I think a lot of that depends on how many GCSE students are doing. Yeah, I think there were there were a lot of elements to that. I've taught in schools where it's basically compulsory and it is hard work with the more reluctant learners. It is such hard work. So I think when you're thinking about, you know, increasing your numbers at GCSE and all that kind of stuff, one of the things you need to think about is why, why do you want to have more students doing languages GCSEs? Is it basically to keep your job, which is a perfectly valid reason, by the way? Is it because it looks good across the school? Is it, uh, you know, is it for your own slightly kind of like ego reasons? And I don't mean, again, I don't mean that in a bad way, but just like, oh, I can say that I increased GCSE take up from, you know, 20% to 50% or something like that. Is it because you're getting pressure from above for your EBAC percentages? You know, I think you have to think about why you, if you're thinking like we want to get more kids doing GCSE languages, what are the reasons for it? It can be a lot easier to teach Key Stage 4 when you only have kids who've opted for it and really love it and really want to do it. But... Yeah, I I definitely think, and I said throughout primary school, the provision needs to be good. I was going to say better, but that's not fair because there are lots of primary schools that are doing really, really well. But I think you need to have specialists who can come in, you know, in PPA time or something like that and offer languages in primary school for sure. But yeah, I think throughout primary school and in Key Stage 3, I definitely think it should be compulsory. Key Stage 4, I'm not too sure. Don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about that one. Another question slightly related to that as well was from modern underscore ELE, who has asked, should a school teach more than one language? And I think, yeah, that's all related as well. I think schools should teach more than one language because the majority of your teachers can speak more than one language. I was chatting to somebody recently who speaks French and Spanish he was Spanish actually, and he hasn't taught French for ages because they phased French out. And the the workshop that I was doing had a lot of French examples and he said he quite liked it because it was like, oh yeah, French, oh, I can still remember all this. I can still understand it all. And I think that's, you know, for you as a languages teacher, if you're not teaching more than one language, you lose one of your languages. And when, you know, I went to university to study French and German and I found myself only teaching German at various points in my career. And I mean, I didn't forget how to speak French, obviously, but, you know, my French level definitely dipped. So I think as a teacher, it's nice when schools teach more than one language. I think different languages suit different kids as well. And I think if kids have the choice and the option and, you know, if they can be introduced to different languages, then they might find that one suits them better than the other. In my experience as a German teacher, quite often the kids are like, oh, I don't want to do German. Why have I been put in this class where I have to do German? And then after about a term, they're like, oh, I love German. I'm so glad I'm in this class. It's really good. It's like, well, yes, I know. It's a great language. So, yeah, so I think schools should teach more than one language. Whether students should learn more than one language is a slightly different situation, I think. For me, if I hadn't done more than one language, I don't think I'd be a languages teacher. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have gone on to study two languages at university, etc, etc. So for certain students, I think it's fantastic. But for the vast majority, especially if it's things like French and Spanish that are quite similar, I think it can be really confusing. If they don't have that sort of natural interest and aptitude for languages, 
being forced to learn two languages, I think, is just too much. So my answer to that is, yes, schools should teach more than one language, but kids shouldn't necessarily learn more than one language unless they are keen linguists and then they get the opportunity and the option to take up a second language. Okay, right. What other questions I've got here? MFL with Maisie. Hi, Maisie. Maisie presented at my Games in MFL CPD in December 2022. And she's absolutely fantastic. And I have met her in in real life as well, which is so lovely. Yeah. So if you want to check that out, that's on my website. Just look for Games in MFL. And that's a free workshop that I did. And some brilliant, brilliant things as well. So hi, Maisie. So Maisie asked, which do you prefer to teach, AQA or Excel, and why? This is such a good question. So with the current spec, I was teaching AQA when I left teaching, which is seven years ago now, which is just crazy. So yeah, so we just started and we had been teaching AQA for the controlled assessment spec and then we carried on teaching AQA for the, what is the current spec, talking in at the beginning of 2024. And most of my resources that I then went on to write were for AQA. I did do some Edexcel stuff for the BBC Bite Size, so I did get to know the Edexcel spec really, really well. I would say for the current GCSE, I still prefer AQA, possibly just because I know it better. For the new GCSE, it's so interesting. So I did a workshop on this in September. I'm doing another workshop. So if you listen to this episode, like as soon as it comes out, you will still have time to sign up. You can watch back the September workshop. And then the second in the series is going to be on Saturday, the 20th of January. It's just a one hour session as a kind of catch up and couple of new things have happened so I will be updating people and just the tagline is how are we getting on so yeah just sort of catching up with everybody and how is everybody getting on so you can still sign up for that so just go to my website and it is under language lessons and CPD and then yeah it's the GCSE new GCSE online CPD series so anyway what was I saying yeah so I've been doing like I did that training in September and I've been doing some training specifically with schools and Academy Trust and things like that about it. And it's so interesting because <laughs> I'll go through the different exams and I'll say, so with Excel, it's blah, blah, blah. And then and <laughs> I can see people go, oh, that's good. I really like that. And then I'll say, and the AQA is, you know, blah, 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 slightly different. And I'll go, mm, yeah, no, I think I prefer Excel. And then I'll move on to talking about something else. And I'll say, and this is the mark scheme for Edexcel. And then this is the mark scheme for AQA. And then they go, oh, I think I'm for AQA for this one. <laughs> so I think with the current spec, if you could like take half the things from Edexcel and half the things from AQA and like mix them up, maybe that's what Educas are doing. Maybe they're like stealing the best bits, asking everybody, like, what's your favorite bit from Edexcel? What's your favorite bit from AQA? And mixing <laughs> mixing them all up, then you could get the ideal GCSEs. I think at the end of the day, if you're still umming and ahhing about what to do for the new GCSE, my advice is to just make a decision and just go with it and see how you get on for a couple of years. And if you're really, really don't like it, switch. If you're getting on fine, then just stick with it. But I just think you need to kind of make a decision and then kind of have the confidence to just, yeah, to just stick with it. 
and go with it. So I don't actually have an answer. I don't have an answer whether I prefer to teach AQA or Excel. Sorry, Maisie, but hopefully that was still a useful answer. And then the last, oh no, not the last question, penultimate question from Tuition with Talia, which is also related to this. If you could change anything from the GCSE MFL spec, what would it be and why? So my answer to this applies to the current spec and the new GCSE is tiers. That is honestly the one thing that I would remove immediately. And I'm pretty sure that when they did the consultation, surely thousands of teachers would have said the same thing. I don't understand. Why did they remove tiers with other subjects like history and geography and English and all these other subjects apart from maths and MFL? And in some ways, I can kind of get it more with maths because of the sheer like volume of content. But seriously, when you look at the exams, they're exactly the same apart from like with a photo card, for example, the questions are just a bit harder for higher. And I just think like, why not just have, I feel like I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but why not just have, you know, the questions, so say for the writing, for example, right, everybody could start with a photo card. Then you could have the overlap question or even just like a shorter question and then a longer question and then a translation. And then the translation gradually gets harder. So you start with like one really simple sentence and then it just, you know, it just gets harder and harder throughout the translation. So at the end of the day, if you are a student that's going to get a grade four, for example, you know you're not going to be able to do like the whole translation, but you can still give it a go and still hopefully get a point or two at some point. So I just, I just don't get it. And the same with the listening and reading, like, you know, you just have some texts that are a bit easier and some texts that are a bit harder. You've got your grade nine texts or whatever. They do it with the IGCSE. They don't have tiers with the IGCSE and that seems to work fine. So I don't understand why they still need to have tiers. And I think it can be one of the biggest, most stressful things for teachers with your year 11s, especially when you've got these kids who are the kind of like, on a good day, they might get a grade six. Okay. On a really, really good day, they somehow might miraculously get a grade seven, but they're more likely to get a grade four or a five. And, you know, it's like, which tier do you put them into? And then what if they have a really bad day and they just do, you put them in for higher and then they just drop off the bottom when actually they could have ended up still with a grade if they'd done foundation. And the fact that you have to put all four papers at the same level for the same tier I just don't get it and I think that has been for me that's been the biggest disappointment with the new GCSE and I'm sorry but 1700 words is still not a lot of words like 1200 words is like hardly any words 1700 words to learn in two years even if you're doing foundation it's not a lot of words like it honestly so yeah so there you go I have quite strong opinions on that one there are other like little bitty things that I would change, but I would say the the major, major thing that would make quite a difference to teachers and students and outcomes, as in, you know, actual grades, I think would be getting rid of the tiers and figuring out a way of making sure that the papers cover everything from a grade one right up to a grade nine. Right. Last question from gnomes who is Naomi who learnt German with me for ages actually doesn't live too far away from me actually and is also very lovely I, I really love that it's like people who I actually know have asked me these questions as well which is really sweet so hi Naomi if you could do any job in the world other than teaching what would it be this is such a great question because I don't know if I should admit this but I never really wanted to be a teacher which is probably why I've ended up not being a teacher well no I mean obviously 
I don't know if I even consider myself a teacher anymore. That's a really interesting question. That's quite a sort of philosophical question, isn't it? But I, um, yeah, so my, I have four parents, which sounds weird. I have a mum and a dad and a stepmom and a stepdad who have all been together for like long, well over 30. They've all been married for 30 years. I mean, not all, not all of them. I mean, my mum and stepdad and my dad and stepmom have both been married for 30 years. So, yeah, so I grew up basically with four parents, that's what I'm saying. And three of those four parents were teachers. So my mum was a languages teacher. I think I've talked about this before. My dad and stepmom trained to teach science and then both moved off in slightly different directions. So my dad moved into SEN, as it was then, SEND. And he then worked for the county council doing more kind of like consultancy stuff. So going into schools and helping kids and helping the teachers and like working with parents and things like that with, you know, kids who had statements as they were called in those days and that kind of thing. And then my stepmom moved more into sort of like IT, and um, which is why she built my website for me, which I mean, hopefully you've been on my website. It's a really good website. Um, so yeah, she moved more into the kind of IT stuff and again, did more sort of consultancy stuff going around different schools and things like that. So I grew up with three teachers out of my four parents and like loads of other people in our family in the family and various people are teachers and I was like I didn't plan to become a teacher let's put it that way and after university I wanted to travel and I taught English as a foreign language and I actually really enjoyed it I spent a year teaching in Indonesia and had an amazing lifestyle as an English as a foreign languages teacher and made friends with some people who taught in the international schools and I thought my lifestyle was good. And then I saw theirs and I was like, oh my gosh, they've got these like massive houses, drivers. They it all had at least like a couple of maids and nannies and swimming pools of their own. And just like this amazing lifestyle. And I was like, oh, that sounds, this looks good. I'll go back to the UK, get myself a PGCE and NQT years. I'll be like a fully qualified teacher. And then I can come back out to Asia and teach in an international school and have an amazing life. So that's kind of... <laughs> the reasons why I then trained as a teacher and then I just kind of like stayed in London for a few years and then I did my master's and then I've been back in the Peterborough area for uh, well over 10 years now 10 11 12 years something like that so yeah so it wasn't necessarily like a conscious choice of the thing that I desperately wanted to do when I was a kid and I love it when I see people who share like I've got my dream job. I've always wanted to be a teacher. I just think like, oh, that's so amazing. But no, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a TV presenter, (laughs) which might not surprise a lot of people because if you haven't noticed from my podcast, I love talking. I really enjoy the CPD that I do, whether it's on Zoom or whether it is in person. I love standing up and talking to people and presenting which is weird because I am, again, people would probably not guess this about me. I'm really introverted. So I'm not shy. I'm just really introverted, which is why it really suits me to work on my own at home. And quite often I don't really have a lot of contact (laughs) with a lot of people. I'm the kind of person like if I am at a party or if I'm in a situation where I'm surrounded by a lot of people and I'm talking a lot and there's a lot of people like I have to basically just go home and be very 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 quiet and completely decompress and just not speak um which is why I love things like 
just going out for walks outside and reading and all that kind of thing. And I really value sort of one-to-one relationships and building relationships like that as well, which is why I, you know, I, I loved doing my small group classes. The reason I stopped doing those is, is more just because I just couldn't work in evenings anymore. <laughs> I'm just too tired. But I love the one-to-one classes, especially people that I've worked with for years and years and years and building up relationships like that. Like I really value that kind of thing. So anyway, so yeah, so like I said, I'm introverted, but I'm not shy, which I think people think they're the same thing. Like I'm a sociable introvert, which I don't know if people, if people actually believe that's a thing, but it is. So yeah, so when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a TV presenter. And I feel like what I'm doing these days is about as close as I'm going to get. I actually wouldn't want to be a TV presenter now, I don't think. But, you know, doing videos, doing even like live Instagrams, doing my CPD training, creating digital course where I can you know, do a PowerPoint, I can talk and I can present and stuff like that. Do my podcast, obviously. I love it. So I'm almost, almost living the dream, but I don't have all the like, do you know what? I keep nearly swearing while I'm doing this episode. I'm just like really preventing myself from swearing. I kind of realised when I was quite young, I didn't want to work in the media, partly just because of people who I had met who were working in the media then, I mean, lots of them are really lovely, but my God, some of them were just, and this is, oh yes, uh, this is where I try not to use a swear word, but um, yeah, just not, not my kind of people. Let's put it that way. Not my kind of people. So I, yes, yeah, so I realized I didn't want to work in the media. And that is one of the reasons I became a teacher is because actually teachers as a rule are really lovely people. You don't get these like horrible men in teaching who are like, sleazy and making ridiculous comments and innuendos and not just stupid things like that so that was one of the things I loved about being a teacher especially as a, as a younger woman in particular but yeah so to answer your question if I hadn't become a teacher I wanted to be a tv presenter but in many ways I've kind of come around to being able to do stuff where I am talking and presenting and things like that so I feel like I've kind of got the best of both worlds now right They were all my questions. I told you they were really good ones, really, really good ones. So for the rest of this season, I've got a fantastic interview coming up next week. I haven't recorded it yet, but I'm really, really looking forward to it. So that's with somebody called Emily Armstrong. So look out for that. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm going to be talking about, so I've got a couple of episodes about, one is going to be about knowing when to quit And one is going to be with Bex Waker, which is a live podcast recording, which is very exciting. And if you don't know Bex, she also has a podcast from Page to Practice. And she has left teaching recently and now works for Excel. So we are going to be talking about life after teaching. So I think that's going to be a really, really interesting conversation. I also have a couple of more sort of languages-based episodes I'm going to be talking about stretch and challenge because I am going to be doing a CPD workshop about stretch and challenge. And that is going to be on the 16th of March. So you've got plenty of time to sign up for that. So yeah, we're talking about stretching and challenging, extension tasks, that kind of thing. And the other one, as I've already mentioned, will be checking for understanding. So I'm hoping this season of the podcast is going to be even better than last season which I think was definitely my best ever and as I said at the end of last season in no small part due to Joe Dale 
producing and editing this podcast and just making it sound so much better. So as always, thank you so much to Joe for doing that. And as always, again, let me know what you think. So yeah, let me know how you get on. All right. I will see you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kate Languages podcast. If you did, please think about leaving me a five-star review and you can also tag me on social media to let me know you've been listening and let me know your thoughts on the episode. Also, don't forget to subscribe so the next episode of the Kate Languages podcast can be delivered straight to your device as soon as it's released. But until then, auf Wiedersehen, au revoir, adios, bye.